I, I probably need to get over myself, but I hate being on stage because I'm no different than you, okay? I'm just an ordinary guy that does the same things that you do. The same functions, the same struggles that you have, I have. And so I, I have this thing inside of me that I'm not going to put myself up on a pedestal. And I don't want you to ever put your leaders up on a pedestal. I want you to respect them and honour them. And when I talk about leaders, I'm not talking just about church leaders. Okay? If you're a husband, you're a leader. If you're a mother or a father, you're a leader. If you go to work and you're a foreman, you're a leader. If you live in this community and you're supposed to be salt and light, you're a leader. You, if you lead a house group, it's obvious you're a leader. But you see, it's not. I'm not talking about leadership like that, you see, because it's too narrow. It's too in a box. And there's such a thing as personal responsibility. You can't blame your church leaders for hurting you because they didn't intentionally hurt you. Their brokenness may have inadvertently hurt you. And in one sense, when you're with a community of people, you're going to rub up against the wounds and scars that people have picked up in their journey in their past, whether they're a leader or not. And I want to talk to you. You've, you've, got, a, you've got a, a month of, of thankfulness. And I want to suggest to you about thankfulness today. That when everything is going right and you feel good inside, thankfulness is easy, isn't it? Okay, and you see, this mug, I was looking at this mug, I went and poked my nose in your kitchen. This, this mug's a pretty cool mug. It says, uh, may he grant... Your heart's desires and make all you do succeed. Make your plans succeed. Pretty cool on the outside, isn't it? It looks good on the outside. But do you know what's on the inside? Because out of your heart will flow the issues of life. Now, I'm not, I've washed my hands, but you can see the dirt. I even found an old cigarette butt. And I broke it open and there's a bit of tobacco in there. There's a bit, there's also, I wanted to make a point. You can look good on the outside. You can say all the right things. You can do all the right things. But wounds and scars on the inside, when the pressure's on, you'll crumble. You want to know how a, a man's doing when he's married? Look at his wife. How's she doing? You want to know how a husband's doing? Look at the wife. See, I don't judge a book by its cover. Jesus said, know them by your fruit. So you can come and dance and shout and sing and make pretend it's all good and look good on the outside, but what do you do when no one sees you? Where's your thankfulness then when your wife says something to you that you don't like or your wife might say to you, hey, what you're doing is hurting me? Or vice versa. What, what happens then? Out of the heart flows the issues of life. That affects your thankfulness.
fullness. Okay? I don't have notes today. I'm, I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because I want to give you some practical how-tos of the process that will give you keys that will unlock thankfulness from the heart, not from outward behavior. I want to give you keys today that will unlock joy from your heart, not joy because of how you feel. Because how you feel is feelings. Now, feelings are important. God gave you feelings. God gave you emotions. The defining character, not the defining characteristic, but the defining thing about God. If I asked you what the most defining thing about God is, what would you tell me? It's not a right or wrong. It's not a trick question. Okay, I've heard the word love. Holy. Patience. Forgiving. Yep, joyful. Keep coming. Come on. All of those things that you're telling me Yes, faithfulness, they're all part of what? His character, aren't they? But the defining difference between him and us is that he's spirit, we're flesh. And when we get born again, we're born of the spirit. And so the Holy Spirit begins to live in us. And then there's this battle that goes on between the spirit and the flesh until our day of redemption, right? How are we to walk? We're to walk by our... Yep. Yep. Spirit. Galatians 5, it says, walk by the Spirit. You're not to deny your feelings, but if your feelings are not under the subjective rule of the Holy Spirit, then your feelings will get out of control. See, when things are going right for me, everything's sweet. I can be thankful. But as soon as somebody that I love or somebody that represents authority or somebody that, that, that stops me from doing what I feel like and I begin to react, what's going on? My feelings, the way I feel, is beginning to now dictate my responses or reactions. So what happens when we're born? We don't choose who our families are. We don't choose. I didn't choose who my mother was. I didn't choose who my father was. Neither did you. God is the ruler. He set things in place. Now, I know and understand that the prince of this world, the enemy who's not even worth a mention, and it's just a crumb underneath my boot, he says that he's the ruler of this world. We are ambassadors, right? In a foreign land. Is that right? So as ambassadors, who do we represent? Okay. So let me ask another question. Why... As human beings, when we give our hearts to the Lord, do we think that we can live out our new creation life 
according to what I feel and according to myself. Where do I get self-entitlement from? Self. Do you think that my selfishness will dampen down my thankfulness? Do you think that lack of joy that comes from my self-centeredness and how I feel and how my comfort zone is dampens down the joy of the Lord? But when I feel good, I can jump around and be joyful. But what happens when I don't feel good? See, can you see the difference? And that's why God is interested in a change of heart. If I had a paper bag, I'd tip this out now, so I won't tip it on the floor, okay? But you, you see, what God is doing, see, you and I have a responsibility to choose to put off the old man. You and I have a responsibility that if I'm doing something that makes my wife unhappy and I'm talking to husbands, then what is the God thing that I need to do? Oh, shoot. Wow. But I don't feel like doing the God thing. What does that do? Does that represent kingdom very well? Does that minister life very well? No, that's selfish. And Jesus says that if you are my follower, then you die to self. That means your life is not your own. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is how it goes. You give him the ownership papers to your life. You give him the keys to your life. And then he asks us to trust him in the way he leads you. Now you go back to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Still a little bit, needs a bit cleaned up, see? No, it's all right, I don't need that. I did that on purpose. See, this is the process. I'm going to get sidetracked for a little moment and then come back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, okay? See, the process of your journey doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make the person sitting next to you perfect. It doesn't make the leaders that are responsible for you in a church perfect. It doesn't make your husband perfect. It doesn't make your wife perfect doesn't make you the best foreman or the best boss. What matters is that your heart is wanting to tip that cup of rubbish out. That's called the heart of David. Do you think that that would have a huge effect on your ability to be thankful, not from an exterior point of view, but from a heart point of view? Would it? It'd make a huge difference. So now I'm not doing things by rote anymore. Because I know what to do, and I think that there is a requirement in the Lord that if we know what to do, then we need to do it. If there's a need we come across and we can meet it in our community, then it says that we're to meet it. But I'm not to judge you because you decide not to meet it because you don't feel that it's right for you to meet it. There's two sides of the coin here. There's one person that you're going to give an account to. When we die, 
and we go to be with the Lord because that's where we're going as Christians. I'm going home. I don't know about you, but I'm going home. God, who am I going to give an account to? Yeah. So the most important thing for me down here on this earth is to be connected to Jesus. Do you know that everything you do out of belief that you've heard God say something or faith pleases him, whether it's right or wrong is totally irrelevant? Have you thought about that? Because he's not interested in you getting it right. He is, but he's kind of not either. It's a bit of an oxymoron. See, there is lots of things that I do not understand about Jesus. He's a mystery. So there's this book. It's called Ownership Papers. It's like if you had a car, you'd get a car manual telling you how to look after the car, wouldn't you? Is that right? And it'll tell you when you've got to grease it, when you've got to change the oil, what pressure to have in the tires. Here's your life manual. And yet, when we read this word, I don't know about you, there's so much that I do not understand. But I'm responsible for the things I do understand. So I understand that I shouldn't steal. So I don't steal. I don't need to have a ream of word. I've already got it. I read the word and I find out, well, I'm not supposed to criticize and gossip behind people's backs. I don't need to wait for the spirit to move me not to do it. It talks about love and kindness leading to repentance in here. I don't wait for the Holy Spirit to move me to love and kindness. Love and kindness comes out of my heart as I yield to the journey of trust that God takes me through in life. Because now that I've given my heart to the Lord... I trust him, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I commit my way to him. See, I'm always talking to him. I don't have to go and pray three hours a day. Mind, I, you've got to go aside, okay? You need to find where that quiet place for you and God is. I can't tell you where that will be. I can tell you where mine is, but that won't work for you because you'll just do it by rote. And you'll get bored to tears very quickly with what I do and how I go about it. It's a relationship. It's a personal relationship. You have to touch the heart of God for yourself. You can't do it the way I do it or the way Tony does it or the way Karen does it or the way Rachel does it. You have to find your relational sweet spot yourself. That's your personal responsibility. Here's the ownership manuals. There is so much that I don't understand about God. The mystery but there's a lot that I have revelation on. And guess what? He's got to hold me accountable for that little bit of understanding that I have. He's not going to matter if I... Behave yourself, Graham. He's not going to matter. 
He doesn't, it's not going to matter. He doesn't care if I step out on the water and my broken bits and pieces come up to the surface and I lose it sometimes. I had a classic example of that in the cafe yesterday afternoon. Generally, generally, I'll try standing over here, I might be safe. Generally, I'm, I'm pretty placid. People don't rack me up. It's taken a lifetime to get to that place, by the way. It didn't come naturally, okay? It came through what we call the trials of life, and we've got to get to the key scripture in a minute. Hallelujah, somebody said. But I've gone through trials and testings. And those trials and those testings test who? Me? So your trials and your testings test who? James 1, verses 2 to 5. Count it all joy when you meet various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience, one version says. Another version says, another way of doing it if you want to use the message paraphrase or some of those Bibles or the passion is what it does is that it creates the fruit of the Spirit in you. It creates the character of God in you as you go through your trials. So when somebody says to you, hey bro, stop putting that poison into your body and you react and you feel like, well, stuff you, I'm going out and buying a big bottle of that poison and I'm just going to drink it anyway because I can. What sort of attitude is that? Do you think it's the heart of the father inside of a person when that happens? I don't either. But sometimes I can't help myself behaving like that because God hasn't dealt with whatever wound and scar was in my heart to cause that reaction. So what do you do? You start by doing it by rote. Can I give you an example? Practical life's example? There was a... Um, the, I'm, I'm, I think I might have shared this example when I was last with you. So I'm not going to apologize, but I feel the Lord is saying, use it. So I'm going to use it again. Going back a number of years, we went through a very uh, nasty church split when I was a pastor of a church. So I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of revival. So when I went through that phase, there was sides. There were three groups in the church. And I'm not going to go into any details too much. I want to talk about my heart's reaction to all of this because that's what trials is all about if you find yourself in a tough situation you're in a trial if you feel in depression this morning you're in a trial if you feel like tapping yourself on the head this morning you're in a trial but the word is very very clear that you're not to take your own life 
See, I was so arrogant that I thought that if you had depression, you just needed to get yourself sorted out and overcome. That was my Pentecostal default position for those that got depressed. Three years ago, I went through the deepest, darkest hour of depression, and I knew not how to handle it. I'm an extrovert, they tell me. Maybe I am, and maybe I'm not. I don't really give a rip anymore. I just want to be a child of God. I just want to walk out my salvation every day. I want to touch my Father's heart so that in my deepest, darkest hour, I can hang on to something that's called the rock of my salvation. And nothing will come out. If you don't spend the time building personal relationship with God, I'm sorry, but we've only got ourselves to blame for being unstable. So coming back to this example, going through it, I had some people that were saying stuff about me as the pastor that was really, really nasty. And in my defense, to start off with, I would defend myself. And I'd even cross the line and say some pretty nasty things about them and point out their faults. <laughs> and then there was, and so there was all this stuff going on. Now, here's the thing. I prided myself because I knew the word. Don't gossip. So I disciplined myself not to gossip and not to criticize. Okay, so I'm doing it by rote because I know the word says not to do that. Okay, and then the word, I know that the word says, forgive those that hurt you. Forgive those that persecute you. And so by rote, to the best of my ability, I forgave the people that had gone behind my back and split the eldership. I really did, and I thought that my forgiveness was genuine, and I actually believed that my forgiveness was as genuine as it could be at that moment. Here's the deal. I'd see them when I went to do the grocery shopping in the marketplace. I'd turn around and come back out. Why? Because there was this emotional stuff going on inside of me, and I'd walk away from that, and I'd begin to beat myself up going, your forgiveness isn't real, Graham. Because if you forgave them, you wouldn't feel like that. You can see how the process goes. But that is all the outside of the cup stuff. Because I'm, I'm a pastor. I need to look good on the outside. I'm a husband. I need to look as if I'm a good dad, if I'm a father. But if there's brokenness in here... Your ability to be those things is cut in half. It's cut, it's destroyed because God's healing hasn't touched that thing inside because out of the heart flow the issues of life. That's what happens. And so I, I went through this kind of like self-persecution for nearly three or four months because I'd pull into the petrol station and one of those guys would be there and I'd just drive straight out because the pain and the hurt in my heart, I couldn't come, I didn't know how to come to terms with this. And then I'd forgive them again and I'd go through the process and then bang, I'd see one of them again. You know, sometimes I'd be so angry that I'd want to punch their lights out. I mean, you guys would never ever feel anger like that. No. 
See, when, when we're hurt, we see things through faulty filters. And when somebody's trying to tell you something and show you something, you hear it through faulty filters. You're hearing it through your wound. You're not wanting to hear the truth because your wound is governing you. It's an emotion that's out of control and not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So one day, I think this is the part I might have mentioned, I'm at the traffic lights and a couple of these guys who were part of the church Gestapo, Pentecostal Gestapo, were standing on the corner waiting to cross the street. The thought went through my mind. If that light turns green and they're crossing when they shouldn't, I'm just going to put my foot on the accelerator. I'm just telling you. But do you know, at least you're honest, do you know how powerful that is? Because if you walk in the light, you have fellowship. The very thing you crave, the very thing that you crave is intimacy with your whole with, with your Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with the Trinity of God. If you're not connected in Him, you have no power. You can be connected through relationship and birth. But if you don't have relationship, you're just connected by birth. If you don't have, I don't have your answers. The answers are in Christ Jesus, but Christ Jesus will say to you, I want to deal with that crap inside of your life. I want to deal with that wound and scar in your life. I want to deal with your attitude of how you hate churches because you blame the church for where you've ended up. Now, I'm not saying church is perfect. I'll be the first to put my hand up and say it's not because it's full of broken people like me. It's full of people that have wounds and scars that God is wanting to heal. Parents. They're not perfect. Do you know that their brokenness and their togetherness brought you up? So some things are going to get wrong, but don't use that as an excuse to hang out in your spew of brokenness. Because you have a personal responsibility of what you're going to do with it. And I can come and teach you to be thankful and to praise him and to do all of this. But if it's just by rote, it's going to look good on the outside. But when something hurts you again because of somebody saying the wrong thing to you or you perceiving that you heard someone say something and you missed completely the truth that was trying to come through to you from the throne of God, why did that happen? Because of wounds and scars of the past? See, my, my first thought, when I wanted to put my foot on the accelerator, if I had the opportunity, I don't know whether I would have gone through with that thing, but my heart at that moment was, I'm going to kill these mothers. From out of the heart flows this. Now, if I took a deep breath and stood back, because I'm a pastor, I was a pastor at that point, I'd know, oh, no, that's not right. 
you know, and I'd be able to process this thing, okay? And I probably wouldn't have done it. But when somebody pokes you in the eye and it hurts, what's your response? You know, when you pour your life into somebody and then they just kick you in the teeth out of ungratefulness, unthankfulness. Come on, we've all been there. That very thing that God told you to do, you start to doubt that maybe he told you to do it, don't you? See, when we grab something and we step out in faith and we say we've got to do this because God told me to, and then when the dirt hits the fan, suddenly we begin to doubt that we heard right. This is where the counted all joy begins. Oh, no, you've got to be kidding me, Graham. See, some of you won't know, but I was involved in some healing meetings in Australia in the late 90s. And at the end of this great week of conferences and blah 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 I was, you know, dancing and jumping up and down. And with everybody else, I jumped off the stage onto the floor. My knee gave up and it swelled up like a strainer post. I couldn't walk. I had all the guns, the healing ministries that were in that meeting pray for me. They carried me out, put me in a car. Mm, God doesn't heal. Yes, he does. Well, why didn't he heal you then? I don't know. But I trust him. Why do I trust him? Because I stand on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. I stand, where does that rock relationship come from? Because I read my word. Most of what I read, I read by rote. I just read by rote. See, if I don't know him, I don't have any stability. I just have an outward exterior that looks like the real thing, a form of godliness without the character of God. I was scared that night, limping around. I couldn't sleep that night. My, you couldn't see my knee. It was blown up. I spent the whole of the next day waiting for some Australian a doctor at the emergency department to have time to see a New Zealander I had to wait all day in pain with the, the pastor sitting next to me whose church I had been ministering in wondering if I'm ever going to walk again I walked out of there on crutches when I came to fly back to New Zealand, they put me in a wheelchair and wheeled me out in front of everybody on the tarmac, put me in this left lift and put me up to the flipping plane and then kind of carried me to... When I, when I had a stop over in Melbourne, here's this young guy pushing himself in a wheelchair, suddenly seeing life from a perspective I'd never seen life through. What's your wheelchair you're going through right now? You got to quit on God? I'm telling you, don't quit on God just because it's got tough. Oh, it's all right for you to say, Graham, you don't know how I feel. No, that's perfectly true. I don't know how you feel right now in your circumstances, but I know how it felt when I went through my trial and thought I'd never walk again. Do you know every day I thank the Lord? See, thankfulness. I thank the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness up 
to that point because that's all I knew. As it went on for one year, 18 months, two years, still not healed or only half healed by the two-year mark, I, I, you know, every morning I'd get up and I'd go, God, thank you, you're my healer. If I had gone downtown in my wheelchair or on my crutches, yelling at the top of my voice, God's my healer, yeah, yeah, God's my healer, and I'm in the wheelchair, the men in white coats would have come and locked me away. See, it's not froth and bubble, it's character. It's the heart of God inside of you that will get you through your most painful circumstances. It comes out of relationship. I hated this verse. Count it all joy when you met various trials. But you know, in that moment of fearing that I'd never get out of that wheelchair and walk again, I learned to face a God that I never, ever knew. I learned that he is faithful. In the midst of my pain, it was painful, man. I, was, I, knew, I wanted to go back to work. I wanted to hop on my horse and go mustering again, and I couldn't. I couldn't even get my leg over the four-wheeler to go to work. I couldn't even walk along the flat behind a mob of sheep and never fall down. Do you know, after about, uh, I think it was eight or nine months, I was in a healing service with Randy Clark in Palmerston North. And they, come up and you'll get healed. Well, I came up, I got a little bit of healing. I could actually walk without my crutches now. And I could run, but I could, you know, just... And I went round and round the auditorium thanking God for healing me. Oh, you're an idiot, Graham. He hadn't healed you. He'd only just able you to hobble. But you see, I knew by then the reality of thanking him in all circumstances. Because somehow this mysterious God that had allowed this thing to happen in my life, because he must have allowed it, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. I'm not saying he sent it. I think he just makes the most of the opportunities and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And it's what we do with that. And I want to just quickly, I need to finish up. What time do you finish? About now. Okay. Okay, let's quit. Where's the worship team? Okay. Okay. So, let's wind this thing up. No, no. It'll, it'll give us another five or ten minutes. But my brethren counted all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What, what would that look like? To me, in that moment of in pain and fear, I had to battle through fear. I'm never walking again. 
And even when I went to that healing service and got a little measure of healing, to the point where I could go back to work, and I, but I had to be very, very careful. Because if I walked downhill, I'd collapse because my knee couldn't support me. The doctors didn't want to do a knee replacement because I was too young. So what, what options have I got? There's only one option I've got when there's nothing the medical staff can do for me. That's to trust the person I'm in relationship to. Even if I don't understand my circumstances. And through that two-year period, I learned how to count it all joy. And I came out of that Randy Clark conference going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every day in the morning, the first thought by then when I got up or when I became awake was, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. I'm not talking about repetitive behavior as a formula to get what I want. I'm talking about a cooperation with the word of God in relationship that allows God to change your heart and deal with the wounds and scars that have broken you. That's what I'm talking about. My first port of call when I see me reacting. See, I believe that the Spirit of God, you respond. But the flesh reacts. Because when I react, it's out of my feelings that aren't under the Lordship of Christ. Because if I'm to walk by the Spirit, you see, God's Spirit, the defining nature of God is a Spirit. And all the characteristics of love, joy, they're part of who he is. And if you're going to relate to, to God and really get close to him, you've got to relate spirit to spirit first. Don't, and I don't mean fruit loopy stuff. Okay, because I've found out that the wisdom that Proverbs talks about has got another name called common sense. Oh, where did that come from? Okay, and, and so I just trusted enough in God. By this stage, I trusted enough in him. And it wasn't by road anymore that I would thank him. And originally it was. And I mean, you're desperate when you think you're never going to take your kids out hiking again. You're desperate when you think you're going to be stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. desperation man it's horrible no hope it's horrible oh but you're a Christian great yeah but I got into a circumstance that I had never bargained on so when I get into circumstances that I never bargain on you see when I step out in faith and it goes pear-shaped my default position used to be oh, I must have heard wrong I know so many Christians that have stepped out in faith and then when the going gets too tough and they, and they come in and their talk is, oh, but I feel like I'm being abused. Oh, I feel like people don't understand me. I feel like that that person in my team hates me. Maybe God just put you there for a reason in that team. Maybe God put you into the situation that you're struggling with today for a reason. Just saying, not because he hates you, but be 
He's just using it. You, if, if you gave your life to Jesus, then to the best of your ability, your heart is for him. Right? Would you agree? So then we don't get it all right all the time with our decision making. But anything that you do and step out in faith pleases your heavenly father. And when you come to a place where the whole roof and the wheels are falling off your vehicle and the roof is falling off your vehicle, imagine a car and you've suddenly got no roof. The roof is falling off your house or your place of security. What do you do? When you're exposed to the elements and you've got no protection, all you feel is pain and hurt, you begin to thank the Lord because he's your shelter and your strong tower. God, how? What, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why, but I trust you enough. That's what the counted all joy is about. Don't let your joy be robbed because your thankfulness will only be affected. If you let the joy robbers come in, you'll find your thankfulness start to go because it's just like the outward exterior of that cup. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. So let me encourage you today. I'm, I'm walking again. I'm not stuck in that wheelchair. It took two years. And I didn't even know that I was getting healed when I got healed. I just inadvertently did something that I couldn't do and I'm lying on the ground after wrestling this ram, after running across a ploughed paddock that I couldn't do. You know what a ploughed paddock, it's got lots of furrows in it. It's uneven. Cornering this lamb after my dog had round up the hoggards or the ram. And I suddenly got this ram on the ground going, yelling out to Don to come help me, going, I can't do this. I just run across an uneven paddock I jumped on a ram and wrestled him to the ground I can't do this from that moment I was instantly healed see it was the journey that took me to the place of restoration I don't know where your journey is going to take you I don't know what your journey is all about but here's something that I do know that you can trust the Lord, which is your rock. And if you cooperate and you know that you shouldn't be doing something that undermines your relationship with your spouse or your boss or whatever, if you start to choose to begin to do what this instruction manual suggests that you do, that you do, even though it's by rote, Begin to practice the heart of the Father. Begin to practice the God thing to do. That's called walking by the Spirit. And guess what? God will honor that. Let's stand. See, you're responsible for the way you treat you. Did you know that? Exactly. I can't. If somebody hurts me, it's not their fault for making me feel bad. 
because I've come to see that it's a wound and a scar in here that makes me react. What I need to do is ask God to come and heal me. Because Jesus walked as a man on this earth, and if anyone had any justification to defend themselves, it was him. Do you know, guys, I'm going to speak to the guys just for one minute. Do you know that God's voice to you, more often than not, sounds like your wife's? You need to get that into your thick heads. And, and I say that in love. I'm not trying to be smart, okay? I Look, it take, took a while for the penny to drop for me. Now, that doesn't make everything they say right. And I would say probably it works the other way as well. You see, the ones that you love the most are the ones that you're going to get hurt from the most, not because they're meaning to hurt you, but they love you enough to tell you the truth about something. And maybe just the voice of God is in that little bit of truth that could save your life. If you're filling yourself with stuff and you're not being a good stewardship of your body, whose fault's that? Don't blame anybody else. You know? I mean, I, I, I just went and I had to have some biopsies and stuff in places that I don't even want to talk about. But when I saw the medical form, this really upset me. And I go to the specialist and I hand over the form and I look down and I'm reading what he's reading and this patient is a beast. I'm going, you mean to say, doc, that was my doctor that wrote that and you're calling me a beast? I got angry. Because I've been working on my diet for years. I've been going to the gym. How dare you call me a beast? What, where did that attitude come from? It wasn't a God reaction. I was about to rip, tear strips off the specials and say, hey, that's a like where, where was that coming from? It was coming out of the flesh. I'm just using it as an example. I'm not getting it anywhere. I'm using This is my journey. These are some of the examples that I've had to fight with myself. Even the conversation in the coffee shop yesterday some young person said something about climate change and and I was in not a good place and boom there was a almost a full-scale argument in the coffee shop that's supposed to be a hub of God relationship building in my community so guess what I'm going to be doing tomorrow when I go to the coffee shop if this person is on staff I'm going to be eating humble pie and saying, hey, forgive me for my outburst. I'm even going to buy them a cup of coffee and say, hey, why don't you sit down in your break and tell me what you've learned about it? Can you see, if I choose to cooperate with the God stuff, then God changes me, not you. When I learn to trust God, he changes my heart. It's the Holy Spirit at work inside of you that brings the freedom and the change that we all look for, but we have to be courageous enough to maybe respond when he puts his finger on things. And here's the deal, last thing. When God puts his finger on things, he often uses others. And he uses the people around us that are our friends, that are in our community of believers, that are our loved ones at times, and that's sometimes why it can hurt so much. Is your react a reaction, a reaction, or a response? And just bow your heads.
Can we have the worship team up, please? I felt very strongly today that it's so easy, isn't it, to come to church, to do all the right things, to pay our tithes, to look as if we're really happy, but on the inside we're not. I mean, I, don't, I, I know none of you guys would ever do that, but I'm, I do sometimes. God isn't fussed and phased about that stuff. He's just saying, come on, give it to me. Hey, you know, I just say, Lord, that reaction yesterday, I really stuffed up, didn't I? And he goes, yep. But you see, I'm in relationship with him. It's not a judgment. It's not a law and legalism or pharisaical kind of things that work here. It's a father that has made me aware of something where I stuffed up and I want to put it right. There was a time not long ago where there's no way I would have put it right because it meant I would have had to die to the self and the way I feel. Really good food for thought, isn't it? And so we can be self-governing. And I think that Jesus likes that. I think my Heavenly Father loves it when I take responsibility for the way I react or respond or whatever you want to call it. But it's more palatable to say respond, fine, but I just call it reaction in the flesh because it doesn't bring life to situations, does it? It doesn't make people want to hang around you it doesn't make it doesn't let people see the love and kindness that leads to repentance in me and God doesn't come and expose those things because he's judging us he's coming because he loves us and he wants you and I to be more like Christ isn't that cool I really don't know what to do now except we're going to sing a song because it would be easy for us to open up the altar and that's not wrong but if you come out of church after being on the altar call and don't put any of this into practice nothing's changed so the Lord bless you and I'm going to hand the mic back to Karen because I'm done I hope this has been helpful and I hope this has been practical because I don't want to fill your head with another formula or philosophy I want it to be raw today because God said I want you to take away the things around your heart and let them see your journey and I've done that out of obedience so God bless you and thank you for listening to me